Thanks for joining us on Our Father's House's weekly podcast, A Place to Find God. Each week we bring you a sermon from our Sunday services where you can be uplifted and grow in Jesus on the go. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to ofhorangeburg.com. We'd love to get to know you. Now let's get to this week's message. How many know Jehovah is his name? He's everything that we need him to be. Amen. And it call, it ha, you have to have that relationship to be able to call on Jehovah and to mean it and to know that he's going to be there. Amen. And on this morning, I thank God for being here this morning. I thank God for being God in my life. Amen. I thank God for our leaders, uh, Bishop Ed and Pastor Colleen Riley. I thank God for my family and the church family. And as Pastor Colleen stated, I'm just going to do a brief synopsis of what God gave me from what Bishop ministered on last Sunday, complete in him. And we're going to start in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 28. All right. Amen. I'm rereading the King James Version. And again, it's Acts, chapter 17, verse 28. Mm-hmm. And it reads, for in him we live, we move, and have our beings. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Amen. Now, this particular scripture tells us that God is our source of life, our motion, and existence. Without God, we are not. Amen. And this is the proof that we don't have to go far to find God. Our very life, our being, our every movement that we make as living persons is proof that God is near Well, actually more than near, that he's with us. He's around us. He's about us, and he's in us, quickening us with his own life, upholding us with his own power, sustaining the being that we acquired from him. Our life, our completeness is in God. Now, we looked at the definition of complete, which means having all the necessary or appropriate parts. God provides us what we need to survive in him and in life. It started when he gave us the breath of life. Each day that we awaken, we awaken into a new purposeful day, a day that God equips us to start with what we need to start the day, excuse me, and complete the day. We just have to ask him, God, how do you want us to proceed this day? God, what would you have me to do today? What would you have me to say? God, who will you have me to impact? This is life in him. Next, we're going to look at, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And it reads, Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not by ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Our lives are to be the good translations of God's changeless message. Can people learn about the truth about God from what they see in us. When others look at us, not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, 
but those that may not know God or have fallen, can they see the love of God being translated into message into a message that they can perceive, that they can understand and believe throughout everyday lives? Amen. Now, the great thing about our walk with God is that we're no longer alone. We don't have to go through life trying to figure it out and trying to wonder what to do next. We no longer have to depend on our own abilities and our own assets. Philippians 4 and 13 tells me that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I am made strong in him. You are made strong in him. The Philippians 4.13 meaning is for those who are struggling with who they are. It's a reminder. It's an encouragement that through life, though life may be tough, God is always with you. This is a verse that we should go to when we know when whatever hits the fan. You can go through whatever life throws your way because God is with you. And you know that God has equipped you to go through whatever you're, whatever you're facing. This is a kingdom mindset that we have to embrace. God does, God does allow us to go through some of the same things that others go through so that they can see how to respond righteously. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, in order for us to be the light of the world, we must have that relationship with God. And it can't stop at just coming to church on Sunday mornings or just attending a Bible study. Our relationships can't be predicated on what we hear, just what we hear on Sunday mornings. We have to continue to feed our spirits with the word of God, right. we, with prayer, with constant fellowship through God. Now, the more we build on our relationship with God, we'll begin to see a difference in our lives. Right. Amen. 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 We won't handle things the same way anymore. We'll learn how to respond in love instead of reacting. Right. Um, just, just a little story. Um, I was on a job that I was completely miserable in. I mean, I literally despised hating getting up to go to work. I didn't want to be there. I just wanted, I just didn't want to go. Amen. And I used to say, God, I need you to ch make a change in here. I need you to change the people, change the atmosphere, because I don't know what else to do. Now, the people in that job, they may have needed a change. But you know who actually really needed the change? and who needed God to work in their lives, it was me. Right. Amen? I needed to allow God to change me from the inside out. I began to pray, God, please change me within this situation. I needed to be the change that they needed to see. They needed to see God in me, not just for me, but for them. I had to strengthen my relationship and fellowship with God. Again, it's all relational. Anything that you want to grow and be successful, you must put in the work for it. I started getting going to work with joy in my heart, getting to work a little earlier than everyone else. I walked in praying, praising, and would begin to lay hands on the doors, the chairs, the desk, everything that we all touch, not just them, that we all touch, I prayed over. 
I invited God and the Holy Spirit to come in and have their way. I invited the presence of God to be there, not just for the time they walked in the door, but to remain all day and every day, which meant I couldn't just do it that one day and expect a miracle. Even though I knew God could, could do it, because again, our timing is not his timing, but my relationship didn't and couldn't stop there. Once I started to see the change, I also had to be aware that Satan could still come in and try to deceive, wanted me, me to believe that all was well and have me let my guard down, but I couldn't afford to. Maintaining my relationship with God through fellowship, I did begin to see a change in the work environment. But you know what? Not only did I see the change, they saw the change. And I was told, I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. It was all God. I couldn't exhibit godly characteristics behaving the same way as everyone else. I had to be different. And I had to trust that God was able to move on my behalf, even if it meant changing me or moving me. I trusted God, knew God, I trusted God enough to know that he knows what's best for me. And his track record told me that I could trust him to work it out. It also made me want to continue my relationship with God and talk with him daily. I love that God enjoys fellowshipping with us and loves to hear from us. I once heard someone say that even though God knows what we're going to say, he still longs to hear from us. He enjoys conversations with his children. He wants us to be happy and blessed. And I also love that God doesn't just brush us off saying, you know what? I know what Trina wants. I'm not even listening to her today. But he waits, he listens, and he communes with us. Oh, how I love him. Oh, how he completes me. Next, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 and 9 and 10 and it reads for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the godly godhead bodily and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power god took everything he was and put it in christ and we are completing him because he dwells in us and dwells the fullness of the godhead bodily now there may be some questioning how can I be completing him? How can I let God have control in my life? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you a few ways. One, get to know God. Abide in his word and in prayer. Now, this is where the relationship with God comes in. In order to get to know God, you must have a relationship with him. You have to talk to him like any relationship that you cherish to know what they like, what he likes, and what he dislikes. You learn what makes God smiles, and you learn how to please him. That's, again, relational. Next, obey God, moment by moment. Surrender to his will. With this relationship, we have to surrender our lives to God and his will and purpose for our lives. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. If you don't know him today, today will be a great day to accept him. Invite him into your heart and into your life because we know tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Next, we're going to discern what God's will is, and he wants you to ask for ask and for receive prayer through prayer. Excuse me. What's great about this step is that you can actually ask God what his will is for your life. God, what will you have me to do? Whatever it is, God, that you want me to do, whatever you want me to speak, whatever you want me to say, Lord, my answer is yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Through prayer, 
Take hold of the things God wants you to have. In prayer, fellowship, relationship with God, he'll tell you what he has for your life. God, through the Holy Spirit, will reveal his purpose for your life. He'll tell you. Just ask him. But you must listen. Next, stay focused on God. Don't be easily distracted. Remember, Satan's goal is to distract you from your purpose. The word tells us Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So we have to make sure that we remain that we don't remain in the darkness, so that we are un, so, excuse me, so that we're able to be light for others in the dark world. You have to continue to work on your relationship through prayer, fasting, fellowship with God. And next, pray until something, until the answer comes. Even after you get the answer, continue to pray. We need to fill up daily. Our spirits need to be fed constantly because we know life happens. Distractions come daily to take our minds off God and the things of God. And you know, it's not going to be perfect. We may fall. We may mess up. And it's okay. The good thing about it is God does not turn his back on us. And as Pastor Carlene likes to say, God ain't mad at us. He knows we're going to mess up, but he still loves us. He still gives us the opportunity to get it right and continue to live in him. Psalms 136 and 26 says, Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his love endures forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, come on, give the Lord a praise. Amen. Praise God. How many of you thank God for that word? Amen. Uh, uh, as as uh, Katrina did a tremendous, tremendous job. And as she was uh, uh, ministering, amen, uh, the scripture came to me in Revelation that says, He that hath an ear, let him do what? Hear what, what? The Spirit saith unto the church, not what? Katrina says, but what the spirit, and if it's one thing that I, uh, um, I want us to do is to get an ear to hear God, regardless of who it's coming from. Amen. Amen. We don't want to get caught up on personalities. We want to hear God. Amen. And uh, um, God certainly spoke to our hearts on this morning through um, our sister Katrina Barnes. Amen. Come on, give the Lord another great big hand for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Carlene was, um, as she brought her on, she said that she was going to give a synopsis <laughs> of what uh, um, I ministered on last week, but she gave synopsis and increase. Amen. Uh, uh, concerning that. Um, and, and you know what? That, I, I appreciate God for that because God is always in the increase. Look at your neighbors. God is in the increase. Amen. God always wants to work in the increase, and we certainly appreciate the Lord for, amen, how he used, amen, our sister Katrina on this morning in allowing us to really get a good understanding of what it means to be in Christ and to be complete in him and how we are to operate, amen, on a consistent basis. Uh, um, one of the things that we um, have sought or endeavored to really share with you and um, these are some things that are very, very passionate in my heart. Uh, um, some of the things that we've uh, sought to 
uh, uh, share with you concerning this particular message. And I, I don't know how long the Lord's going to have us here. Amen. But I definitely want you to understand uh, the reality of what it means to be complete in him. Now, being complete in him is more than just, oh, well, I got this and I'm, I'm complete. No, that's not the essence of what God is saying inside of that lesson. Because as Katrina so beautifully uh, uh, ministered on this morning, uh, uh, there is a progressive mentality of being complete in him, which actually says that after I've been made complete, I've got to walk inside of the completeness. You remember when she gave the illustration about how she was dealing with some situations on her job? She could have been easily said, well, you know, I know I'm saved. You know how we are. Well, I know I'm saved. I got God. I'm complete. But if I'm not walking in such a way to manifest the fact that I am complete, then my completeness does not really benefit the purpose that God has put me inside of these arenas for. So God wants us to understand the totality of what it means to be what? Complete in him. Look at your neighbors. The neighbor, you are complete in him. Amen. Now, I, I, as, and, and I'm not going to, I, 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 really, there's really no need for me to even minister this morning because uh, uh, um, our sister Katrina was so very, very powerful and thorough in what we shared, what she shared but I, I want to sort of put some things uh, uh, um, in perspective as it relates to what God wants out of our lives. How many realize that God wants something out of your life? One of the things that uh, uh, has, has really been amiss in the body of Christ is that we come to God because of what we want from God. Okay, y'all understand what I'm saying? Uh, um, I want God to change my circumstances. I want God to do this for me. And now I want you to understand there's nothing wrong with that because there are things that God do want to do for us. But I want us to understand when we look at the real totality of the heart of God, it's not just what God wants to do for you, but it's also what God wants you to do. As she shared with us in Matthew, the fifth chapter, she said it's a very, very powerful. They said, ye are what? The light of the world. What? A city set up on a hill. Look at your neighbor say, you're light. But I want you to ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, how bright is your light shining? <laughs> you see, I can be a light, but is my light shining? <clears throat> the fact of my light shining uh, how should I say? Bright. I just use. I just go all the way to the extreme. The fact that my light is shining bright indicates that I'm operating inside of what God wants out of my life. Okay, I need you to see this because God wants every one of us to let our light shine. Okay, not just every one of us come to God and say, God, I need you to fix this, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do that. No, God said, I want you to take on a mentality of letting your light shine. And God said, I've given you everything you need in order to do that. you got the connection. I can't shine this light without having the connection to the power source. He said, when I brought you in, I connected you to the power source so that your light can, what, shine. 
But not only did I connect you to the power source, I gave you the desired wattage that is necessary for you to shine light inside of the arena that I'm going to place you in. There's some uh, uh, areas that you will put a 40-watt bulb in because that's the amount of light that you want there. There are other places you will put a 100-watt bulb in because of the, uh, the size of uh, the area that you want to cover. So God said, when I saved you, I gave you what you needed. And God said, I'm always monitoring where I'm sending you and what I desire out of your life. Because when you need more, I'll give you more. Come on. So he said, I operate inside of the completeness. He said, but I want you to manifest the completeness of what I have done. In your lives. We love to come to church and we love to walk around at times, depending on the arena that we are. I'm saved. I'm I'm saved. I'm a a child of God. I'm a son of God. And that's good. It's, It's good that we can say that. But I want you to understand more than saying it, God wants your life to operate in such a way that even if nobody here, you say that, they can look at your life and they look at Katrina's life and say, there's something different about you. That's different than anybody else. There's something about things when you come on the scene, it seems like things light up. How many of us light up the room when we go in? Or do we cast darkness? When we talk about complete, and, and, and I, want us to, I want us to look at this because the scripture tells us, uh, uh, Ephesians, the second chapter. In fact, it started at the eighth verse. And uh, um, Ephesians 2 and 8 says, uh, uh, not Ephesians, I'm sorry, Colossians 2 and 8. Let's look at that quickly. It says, beware, lest any man spoil you. Through what? Philosophy and what? Vain deceit. After what? The traditions of men after the rudiments of the world and what not after Christ I, I want you to look at that now hey, here Paul said now beware believers because he was talking to the church he was talking to the church he was talking to these born again believers and he said now beware be alert watch beware what lest any man what What does it mean to spoil something? When something spoils, that means it is no longer usable. Okay. If you got some chicken, and you got it home and ready to go home after service and eat it, but when you get there, it's spoiled. That means you can't eat it. 
If you got some believers that God has fixed and fashioned to shine light in the world, but they become spoiled, that means the essence of what you are is no longer uh, 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 accessible or good. So he said what? Beware lest what? Any man spoil you. Do you really believe that believers can become spoiled? And I don't mean spoiled like we do talking about spoiling your child. See what it says. Spoil how? Through what? Philosophy. Vain deceit. Some of us got some thought processes <laughs> that have spoiled us. When I say spoil, can I say something? One of the reasons why we don't have in the body of Christ the magnitude of believers touching lives like they should is because many of us are spoiled. When I say spoil, I want you to see here now philosophies and, and ways of thinking have spoiled us. We come to church and we come to God, uh, 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 Peter, with the mentality that I want God to do for me. That's a mentality that spoils uh, what God really called you into the body for. And we embrace that mentality many times throughout our salvation experience. Let me share something with you. Keep that up there, but I want you to look at this. When, when you look at Colossians, in, in fact, if you look at Paul's writings, if you look at Jesus, if you look at Peter's writing, many times they'll... When you look at these writings, they are designed to challenge mindsets. <laughs> when you look at Paul here in the book of Colossians, Paul actually was challenging mindsets that the Colossian people embraced. What do you mean, Bishop, about mindsets? A mindset is the method by which we judge our situations and our circumstances. Let me, let me give you a, 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 a definition. A mindset is a fixed mental attitude or disposition that predetermines a person's response to an interpretation of a situation. In other words, a mindset is, a, is, a, is an attitude that I have that predetermines how I'm going to deal with certain situations. Okay. Now, when God looks at us as believers, God said in order to bring you to the place 
that I get out of you what I desire out of your life. I have to challenge some mindsets in you. Why do you script, think the scripture tells us in Romans, the 12th chapter said, uh, 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 therefore, now I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what, present your bodies a living sacrifice, what, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what, your reasonable service, and be not, what, conformed to this world, but what, be transformed, how? By the changing of your mind, there are mindsets that must be challenged in you in order for your behavior to change. Okay. So Paul said, now, when Paul began to deal with the Colossian church, Paul was dealing with mindsets. There are a lot of so many different ways that you can go when you start talking about this, but I want to stay right here because as God, and I'm talking to us here, but I'm also talking to those that are online. As God, looks at the body, of Christ, okay. God's heart for the body of Christ. Now, I want you to listen at something now, what, what um, Katrina shared with us on this morning. When we look at the body of Christ, God's heart has always been that we be light. Okay, now, let's not just take those and say, okay, I got that, now go to something else. Okay. You, the reason why I, I want to say that because we can't go to something else without carrying what we already have. Okay, let's not be so quick to jump to something else. But if I'm going to something else, let me make sure I, I get this here. As I, I go, because I don't go to now, okay, well, now, well, 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 what else? Without really understanding the heart of God. God still wants you to let your light shine. I don't care what, oh, I want power from God. I want this one. Oh, yes, we do want power from God, but always carry inside of your bosom the fact that God still wants your light to shine. That's God's heart for us. As believers that are what? Light shine. Who is it? that you're touching to bring them closer to God. In your arenas that you find yourself in, I'm not talking about in church. All of us turn our lights on when we come to church. Come with the smiles. Come on. But in your arenas of operation, how many folk can see your light? Paul here saying, I want it to be so now that when you really go out, I don't want you to get caught up so much on the fact that I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay. You got to know that. But Paul said, understand uh, what I want out of your life. You see, let me share something with you. The salvation experience cannot stop at salvation. 
Okay. Let me say that again. The salvation experience cannot stop at what? Salvation. In other words, what God is saying here, God said, now, the salvation, and, and we'll call it the salvation experience, but uh, uh, um, when I talk about the salvation experience, I'm not just talking about the day that you got saved. That was an experience that you had with God, but the salvation experience is your lifelong journey from the day that you got saved until the day God calls you. Okay, so therefore now getting saved is not the end of all, end of it. Getting saved in reality is nothing more than the beginning. Getting saved is where you got connected to the power source. Getting saved is where God uh, 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 began the light to shine in your life. But God said, that's not the end of it. He said, because I connected you to the power source for a reason. Okay. Now, if we are to be the sons. How many sons we got in the building? When I talk sons, I'm not sons of God. How many sons of God do we have in the building? Let me see your hands. I'm a son of God. I'm a child. Let me let me let me show because I know we're in a agenda conscious uh, uh, society. How many children of God do we have in the building? Let me show you. Now isn't that amazing? Now. Okay, I'm gonna stay on. I'm gonna stay focused. As sons of God, or as children of God. Okay. There are mentalities that are out there that are designed to uh, uh, um, corral your mind at salvation that are purposefully designed by Satan to keep you off course. Okay. Oh God, I, why God, why are you taking me like this? Let me show you something. First of all, the devil don't want you to get saved. Okay? How many believe that the devil don't want you to get saved? Amen. But the devil also, if just by chance, a, a coffee that you got saved. The devil's going to do all he can to keep you from understanding God's heart concerning you and your salvation experience. 
Okay. You see, because the devil knows, Peter, if, 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 if they get saved and don't understand the heart of God, they're just going to be walking around, you, you, you know, uh, uh, oh, well, I, this and that. But God, the devil said, if I could just keep them away from truth. You see, because the devil understands that even at salvation, there are some things that the enemy that he has a, 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 a placed in our hearts and our minds that are mindsets that still can keep us away from God. There are things that you understood that you learned about God. There are things that you learned about salvation before you got saved. Okay? And when you came into salvation, there's, well, they say, well, when you get saved, you know, God's going to bless you. God's going to make you the head and not the tail. God's going to give you riches and, and all of those things. And I know I need to be saved. Yes, God, and genuinely, I mean, I'm talking about genuinely getting saved. But you have a mindset now that says this is the salvation experience. And because of that mindset, as you embrace salvation, you don't understand the totality of what God wants to do out of your life or with your life. All you understand is that what I want God to what do for me. So consequently, these are mindsets that the enemy had plagued the body of Christ with to keep them what away from the purpose of God you can have churches filled on Sunday morning but a very small group of them that really understand the heart of God come on They'll fill the church and, and, and understand what I'm saying, y'all, because I'm not in any way saying that God don't want to bless you. Okay, because I know that God wants to bless us. I know that there are things that God wants to do in our lives. I understand that, and I will never challenge that reality. But the fact of the matter is, if that's the totality of our experience with God, then we're off. Because God does not save us just to bless us. God said, I blessed you before you got saved. <laughs> Come on. That's a reality. God blessed us before we got saved. There was many things. I could look at my life. God blessed me before I got saved. But God said, when I saved you, I placed you. <laughs> Katrina, you're awesome. I placed you in an arena now that my heart is that you embrace my will. It is important for you. This is why Paul told the church in Colossians. Now, Paul said, now, I pray for you that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual understanding. And the heart of God for us as believers is that we be filled with the knowledge of his will. Not us filling God with the knowledge of our will. God, this is what I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. 
God said, our first order of business is that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. Let me share something with you. If I'm filled with the knowledge of God's will, it will channel how I pray. Okay. It will channel how I pray because I know that as long as I'm praying according to the will of God, I have those petitions that I'm asking of him. But if I'm not praying according to the will of God, if I'm praying according to the will of Ed, God is not obligated to answer those prayers. Come on. But he said, no, my will and my prayer for you is that you be filled with the knowledge of his will for your life. And when you come into this experience that you have already come into, but he's, calling, he's talking to the saints now. He said, when you come into this now, you got to understand something. You got to understand it's more than just the fact now that you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. There is a mentality, a kingdom mentality that you must embrace so that now you can walk in a kingdom lifestyle. I cannot manifest a kingdom lifestyle without embracing a kingdom mentality. Okay, let me show you something. I cannot embrace a kingdom mentality thoroughly until some mindsets in me are challenged and destroyed. Why do you think in the body of Christ there's so much uh, oh, this and that? And because there are mindsets that are totally against the will of God. Do you know, God, 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 God. Mm. Do you know what? I'll say this. Some mindsets. <clears throat> okay. Some mindsets, Shenet, Shenet, are Strongholds. Are y'all following me? Are y'all following me? Are y'all able to follow me? Because I, I some mindsets are strongholds. We said a mindset is an attitude or a disposition that predetermines, you know, our responses or our actions as a result of situations that we encounter. Okay. Now, many times mindsets are developed as a result of exposure. They are developed as a result of environments that we grow up in, or they are developed as a result of situations that we encounter. Okay, I could be exposed to uh, certain things, and as a result of being exposed to that, it can create a mindset in me. Okay, or I could uh, 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 have to live inside of a certain environment. You can have twin children, that identical twins, that may be separated at birth and placed in two different environments, and you will find two totally different behavior patterns. Why? Because of their exposure or their environment. 
Okay, so those environments help affect their mindset, how they deal with life. Your mindset is what affects how you deal with life. Okay. So now when we look at stronghold, I said something that I got to really make sure that I get you to understand. Some mindsets are strongholds. The Bible says this uh, 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 in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, in the 4th verse. It says, for the weapons of what? Of our warfare are not what? Carnal, but what? Mighty through God to the what? Pulling down of what? Strongholds. Okay, now, now I, I need you to understand something here because as believers, uh, God said strongholds have to be pulled down in our lives. To the pulling down of stronghold, casting down imaginations, and what? Every high thing that exalts itself above what? The knowledge of God. Let me ask you something. In your walk as a believer, has there ever been anything in your life that was, had exalted itself above the knowledge of God? strongholds they got to be pulled down and bringing into captivity every thought <clears throat> unto the obedience of Christ here Paul said now these things must be done in order in order for us to walk like God wants us to walk even after salvation there are strongholds in our minds that must be pulled down. Some of us in the church, born again believers, 20, 30, 40 years, are still being controlled by mindsets that were formed in our lives as children or as young adults that are still controlling our behavior even at this time. There are certain truths that we cannot embrace because strong. A stronghold. Let me let me let me go let me go ahead. Because I I, I God. Mm. Are you following me? Okay. Because I, I want us to really see this because I I, I know for myself, and, and I'm saying this, I, I know for myself, uh, um, Dale. Uh, as uh, an adult Christian, I'm not talking about an adult person as an adult Christian. I'm talking about as a believer that have been that have experienced the move of God and the operation of God. Uh, uh, I've, I've come to a place where I realize there's some mindsets in me that does not equate itself to the will of God. Anybody ever? Come on. Stronghold. A stronghold is a place that had been fortified in order to protect itself 
against attacks, invasion, or unwanted or uninvited visitors. <laughs> a stronghold is like a fortress. You, you, you remember you, you watch television, you see uh, uh, um, these military fortresses. They build these fortresses to protect against invasion. Those are strongholds. Mm. In our lives, you see, the devil is, the devil, man, the devil is something, y'all. He will allow you to develop mindsets that will turn into strongholds in your life. And as you grow in your walk with God, these strongholds now prevent the word of God, the truth of God from coming in to set you free. Come on, you, you, have you ever? Now, now I know I've, I've been preaching a long time, and, and I know that there are times uh, uh, that I would minister a word, and I can see folk. Uh, I know where they are spiritually, but I can see folk now. There's a wall of resistance there that will not allow that word to penetrate. Why? Because now they have certain mindsets that they have embraced that this is just me. This is how I am. This is how I see it. And I don't care what you say. I don't care how. How much word you preach it ain't gonna change me and a mindset a stronghold now puts up that resistance against an invasion that's why the bible said the weapons of our warfare are designed to pull by shakaba pull down those strongholds when i'm teaching and I'm preaching. One of the things that God or the Holy Spirit through me is trying to do is to pull down strongholds. There are times, there are times when I'm ministering Peter that I can look into a life and I can see strongholds that are keeping the people from receiving the truth of God. Strongholds that have been developed in your life and in your mind that have become your safe place that when truth comes mm -mm, I can remember a period of time in my life that I know that I was off course. Come on. I know that I was off course. And I can remember Kofi during that time whenever truth came to shine light on that Disposition, there was something in me that, you know, come on, I resisted it. Uh, oh, I hope they don't preach about this today. I hope they don't preach about, come on. Why? Because the enemy have developed strongholds in your life. 
If you ever come to church on Sunday morning, say, I sure hope Bishop don't preach about this. I hope they don't. I hope. I hope you don't get in there and start preaching about uh, 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 money today. I hope you don't get in and preach about, you, you know, uh, trying to, you know, be successful. I hope you don't preach about uh, uh, um, this and, and that. Why? Why? Look at your neighbors. The truth is truth. The Bible says this. The Bible says what? You shall what? Know the truth and what? The truth shall what? Make you free. But why is it that I don't want to hear truth? Truth challenges negative mindsets. Truth destroys the strength of strongholds. And this is what Paul here was doing in Colossians. Paul said, now, I've got to give you some truth because I see where you are. Paul said, I see where you are. I understand the whole mentality of that region. But Paul said, I got to preach some truth now to challenge those mindsets because if those mindsets are not challenged, you will begin to your journey as believers embracing those same mindsets and what incorporating those mindsets with your so-called walk with God. So Paul said, I got to challenge those mindsets. I got to get you to see my sucker. There's some things I got to get you to see. You got to see that you're not where you are, who you are because of you. He said, I'm your sustainer. I don't care how intellectual you are because that's one of the things that Paul was challenging in the Colossians because of their uh, uh, um, philosophical uh, uh, um, tendencies. Their Judaistic, and I shared with you last week, their Judaistic belief which simply says that God deals with us based on our natural abilities. My natural abilities is that thing now that enables me to move progressively. But Paul said, now, I got to challenge those mindsets. You cannot, you cannot, I don't care what you've done until now. You cannot come into the kingdom and embrace a kingdom mentality thinking now that you're going to make it on your natural ability or on your intellect. Leave all of that at the door. Paul said when he was talking to the church at Philippi, Paul said, listen, when I look at what you can brag about and think that you can uh, uh, exalt yourself about, Paul said, I got more than any of y'all. If y'all going to start calling out your natural abilities and your accomplishment, Paul said, let me start. Let, let me start. And Paul started reading out. Uh, 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 listen, I was a Jew. I was among the Jews. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm at the top of the class over here. I sat at the feet of Gamila. I was this, that, and the other. Paul said, no, listen. I got every reason to move in my walk with God based on my abilities. But Paul said, no. Paul said, you want to understand how I deal with that? Paul said, I consider all of that a tongue. That I may what? Win who? Christ. 
Prøv at se. Prøv at se ind. Paul understood so much about I've got a Paul understood so much about the movement of believers that it drove him Paul was driven These things don't mean nothing to me in comparison to me winning Christ. Christ in me is more important than anything that I've ever attained in life. And Paul said, I got to get you to see this. Paul said, I got to get you to see this. I got to get you to see it. He told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians, the third chapter. Paul said, unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given. Paul said, God placed this on me. God placed this on me. God exposed me to his heart. God allowed me to see. Did you read Ephesians? Paul said, I didn't get this by natural. God said it, was, Paul said, it was revealed to me by the Spirit. And Paul said, when I begin to understand the heart of God for believers. Paul said, now, I realize that I'm nothing. Paul said, now, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace been given? Why? That I might preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to the body. You got to understand that there are some riches of Christ that you have not tapped into yet. And Paul said, and to get all men to see. Said, I said, Paul said, I'm driven by that. He said, you got to see. You got to see. You got to see. Get all men to see what it is, what is their fellowship yes. in the mystery. And we know in Colossians, the first chapter, the 27th verse, Paul basically said the same thing. Paul said, where have I made a minister? All of that, we understand that. Paul said, so that I can present to you the unsearchable riches of Christ or the mystery, which is what? Christ in you. The hope of glory. I want everybody here to, even you that are on the line, if you are born again, I want you to lift your hand and say, Christ lives in me. I want you to say it again. I want you to say, Christ lives in me. I want you to say it a third time. Say, Christ lives in me. because if you don't, I'm going to keep on. Just that truth itself, Isidore, if we embrace it like God, just a little bit softer, 
if we embrace it like God wants us to embrace it, just that truth, look at your neighbor and say, that truth would challenge some mindsets that we have. Just to acknowledge, Gary, on a daily basis that Christ lives in me, just to acknowledge that puts me in a totally different mentality. Can you curse somebody out living in the acknowledgement of Christ lives in me? I want you to see something here because I, that, that's, the, that's the foundation now of embracing the salvation experience, which is Christ in me. The hope of glory. How many of you would acknowledge the fact that Christ is smarter than you? How many would you acknowledge the fact that Christ is greater than you? That he's more powerful than you? How many would acknowledge the fact that Christ is all-knowing? Okay, he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. just to embrace that simple truth which is not really simple that Christ lives in me lives in me puts me in a place now that when I encounter life when I encounter situations, when I encounter circumstances, I have in me the ability to honor God. If Christ lives in me, what is he living in you for? Is he there just to sit and wait until you close your eyes in death and escort you to heaven? Or is he there in you to live out the same life that he lived out in the flesh of Jesus? Lift your hands again and say, Christ lives in me. I'm going to stop right there. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Don't let anybody 
I don't care who it is. I don't care how sensational they sound and how eloquent they can preach. Don't let anybody uh, get you to the place that you feel that the salvation, the initial salvation experience is the end of it. We got a life to live. Oh, it would be easy. It would be easy if, uh, oh, all I got to do is just get saved and wait. But I discovered in my own life, Michelle, I discovered in my own life that when I got saved at the age of 21 years old, saved from a whole lot of stuff, I know I got saved. I know that God saved. But I discovered that after I got saved, I woke up the next day and life hit me in the face. And it had to take more than the fact that I'm saved. I had to learn how to walk. Now that I'm, I'm saved, now I got to learn how to walk. I got to, how I'm going to deal with life because God didn't save me and put me in a bubble and separate me from all of the things that were enticing to me before. I got saved and the very next day, one of my best friends, we were both in the military and we got together and we, he pulled out a cigarette and started smoking and before I realized it, I said, give me one. And we started and I, all of a sudden I realized, Wait a minute. I had to learn how to walk in this life. Then I realized, okay, I got to, I got to start giving my, I got to understand more about this life that I've been birthed into. I got to understand. Stand to your feet. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, Shabbat Adi Katrina, thank you. Thank you so much, Katrina, for allowing the Lord to use you. Thank you. Christ in you the hope of glory Christ in you the hope of glory I've got the power of heaven residing in my life. Not just power to pull down or to call down fire from heaven, but power to love folk that treat me wrong. When Jesus came, he didn't come 
just with a whole lot of display of power to do all of these things. He came with a heart of love, compassion, righteousness, holiness. I'm going to say this and I'm going to finish. When folk encountered Jesus, I want you to hear this. When folk encountered Jesus, they did not see his flesh or they did not experience his flesh. They experienced the Godhead. Okay. I'm going to say that again. Because Jesus had flesh just like you. I want you to touch yourself. When folk encountered him, they didn't experience his flesh. They experienced the Godhead. He lives in me. And that same power that lives in me has the same intentions that when I encounter you, Joyce, I'm not interested in, in encountering and dealing with your flesh. I want to experience the God that's in you. Come on. That's our plight. We have to make sure that when folk encounter us, I wonder what is the ratio of God and flesh that's on display. How much of your flesh are they encountering and how much of God are they encountering? Christ in me. What? the hope of glory. Father, we bless you today. We thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word, God, and we thank you, God, that indeed your truth challenges mindsets that are not in alignment with the Bishaka, in alignment with your will. You said in your word, God, that we shall know the truth not just hear the truth, but we shall know the truth, embrace the truth, digest the truth. And the truth shall what make us free. Father, I pray right now, God, that you will cause the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened that we may be able to comprehend, understand 
the power of you living inside of us. And God, those mindsets, those mentalities, those strongholds that have been developed and cultivated in our lives and that have been there to oppose your truth, we pray, God, right now that they will be pulled at your side, pulled down. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we want to walk like Jesus walked. We want to talk like Jesus talked. We want to live like Jesus lived. I pray right now, God, that you will call everything in our lives to line up with your will and your purpose. With hands lifted in the room, with hands lifted out there. I want you to say this, if it's your heart, I want you to say this, Lord, every stronghold, every mentality that opposes your truth in me, pull it down right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. With those hands lifted, say, Lord, I surrender my will into your hand. Nevertheless, not my will, Lord, but your will be done in me. Thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody just tell the Lord, thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want you to look at somebody before you be seated. Look at him and say, I will be everything that God has ordained for me. Amen. Praise God. That's a declaration that I want. You may be seated. That's a declaration that I want us to make sure that we embrace that I will be Paul said this in Philippians the second chapter Paul said not as though I have attained neither am I already perfect but Paul said I'll tell you one thing I'll follow after I'm going to keep following after Shanae I'm going to keep following after it I'm going to follow after it, Dale. Mm. I don't pray like I ought to pray. Okay, but I'm going to follow after it. I'm going to follow after it. I find myself inside of a situation that I feel my flesh rising. and God forgive me, but I'm going to follow after it. I'm going to follow after it. Flesh, you got to die. Mm. Paul said I'll follow after it that I may apprehend that for which I have been apprehended of in Christ Jesus in other words Paul said I was apprehended for a reason when he apprehended me he had intentions 
He didn't just apprehend me just so I could sit in the car with him. No, he apprehended me for a reason. Paul said, whatever it is that he apprehended me for, I'm going to make sure that I apprehend that that he apprehended me for, that I attain, that I lay hold of that that he laid hold of me for. We know that you were blessed by today's message. We have to not only be listeners of the Word of God, but also doers. To find out what your next steps may be, simply go to ofhorangeburg.com forward slash next. Come again next week where we will make sure you have a place to find God.